Hey guys, it's Known. Welcome to another episode of Yumi Empathy. My name's Known, and I am the creator and host of Yumi Empathy, a podcast I love, and I hope you love too. Uh, today's episode, episode three, I chat with my friend Tony for the first installment of Tony Time. Tony Time. Tony Time is... Uh, <laughs> These segments uh, will be separate episodes where I chat with my friend Tony, who is a therapist, about the previous week's topic and exploring that topic from his perspective as a therapist and how it pertains to his relationship with his patients. And by that, I mean, how does he talk to his patients about that particular topic? So this week... I'm talking to Tony about how he talks to his patients about the subject of grief. We also explore just some of the things that Benjamin and I talked about in episode two. If you haven't listened to that, do uh, do go and listen to that. It's, it's a really great episode. Uh, Benjamin is very, just a beautiful human, and uh, he has a lot of wonderful things to say. So, I hope uh, you enjoy this episode. Uh, the disclaimer portion is that Anthony Reminke, my friend Tony, is a California licensed marriage and family therapist, licensed by the Board of Behavioral Sciences, license number LMFT 47805. As you know, he's a regular contributor to Human Empathy, but he is not functioning as a marriage and family therapist in this environment. Uh, Yumi Empathy is a podcast for informational and or entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Okay, enough of that. I hope you enjoy this episode. I love you guys. Bye! Welcome to episode four of You, Me, Empathy, a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this overwhelming and magnificent pale blue dot. This is episode four, but it's also the first time uh, that we're doing Tony time. Tony time. <laughs> uh, you guys met Tony in episode zero, the intro episode, and Tony, uh, these episodes will come in between the the regular, not the regular, that's not the right word, but the my my interview episodes with guests. And so uh, for those topics where Tony feels like he can provide some insight from a mental health professional's perspective, we will do those episodes separately and they'll come in, they'll come uh, a week after uh, the episode. So... This is episode four. We are talking about grief. But before we do that, let's 
hear a little bit about Tony. Well, hello, Known. Hello. Good morning. Uh, I think I just heard you call me irregular, if <laughs> referring to the regular episodes. Well, but, you uh, do need to eat your prunes. I know, I know. That's that's what every good doctor tells me. Um, well, hello, listeners. Um, yep. If you listen to the intro to the very first podcast, my name is Tony Vermeike, technically Anthony Vermeike, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California and a good friend of Known's. And he approached me with this wonderful idea of doing a podcast on the issues of mental health and 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 specifically looking at and talking about all kinds of really, you know, cool topics, again, that are very, very, very much uh, a passion of mind and, and a reason I went into this field in the first place. And he just wrapped up a wonderful, wonderful, amazing interview with Benjamin Dewey, who um, I've had a chance to listen through. And I just was so excited to come and be able to maybe contribute a little bit more to that on a mental health, you know, professional's perspective and on grief and loss. And I just, I thought you guys came up with, you know, I thought you really came up with a wonderful spectrum of topics as the two of you really processed what grief and loss is to, you know, and specifically to the two of you, what it, what it was and what your experiences have been. So I, I, I'm curious. I mean, what was that like for you, being able to to hear Benjamin's story, but talk about your own? And yeah, I you know, uh, I've spoken with Benjamin previously. He he was a, a guest on Joy Sandwich, and he is the type of human that I kind of aspire to be. Yeah, in some well, he's, respects, right? He's very uh, as you guys, as you listeners know, he's very eloquent. He's very well read. He's a science geek. And he, you know, sort of has this uh, depository, depository or repository, repository of just quotes and knowledge from Dawkins and Sam Harris and Carl Sagan and all these, Joseph Campbell, all these heroes of his. And so, to answer your question, it was delightful. You know, it was, I just enjoy hearing him speak, you know, and- we we talked about grieving over those in our family who, you know, have um, either abandoned us or have made the relationship difficult uh, in some ways through their relationship with religion. Right. Which uh, is something that I've had a hard time with for, for a long time, and, and it was nice to relate to Benjamin on on that particular topic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and listening to you to process this this big topic. I mean, it you know, grief and loss is such a big topic. I think we tend to think about grief and loss, you know, related to death, you know, the actual death or loss of somebody. But I think what I see as a mental health professional and, you know, what I've read and, you know, and learned is, you know, there's so many things that we can lose or not have that really trigger this grief, you know, grief and loss response, you know, not similar to that of when we, you know, have lost potentially a loved one. And I think the thing that, you know, there, there could be varying degrees of a response. And that's, you know, something that we'll talk about is that there certainly could be varying degrees of emotional loss and feelings that, that may come up for us as a result of the type of loss that we've experienced. But that, you know, to your point, you know, losing a parent because of an ideology or, you know, losing a parent because of a belief system and not being able to have a relationship or the type of relationship that that you would desire to have with this person because of of an ideology, I mean, that 
could promote and bring up so much loss and so much grief again, because you're losing a relationship. Yeah. And, you know, and I know that's something you and I've even talked about personally, you know, and, and you've shared with me and, and I know the difficulties and the struggles and the stresses that, that, you know, has come with that. And, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's a very real thing. So again, this idea that grief and loss is just simply not about losing somebody through death. Yeah. It's, it's so many things. And, and one, uh, there's a word that Ben had mentioned during the episode and he said impermanence. Right. Which sort of struck me as profound and something that, that is very much related to grief in that change, right? right. We can grieve change. Uh, and, and as you're saying, a variety of forms and uh, a variety of, um, levels of, sort of emotional input and all, all those things. Like there's right. so many ways that we can grieve and the impermanence is sort of like the universal one, right? Yeah. We all have to deal or experience change in our lives. Uh, personally with our relationships, uh, things change. I um, have to wipe my butt more. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, right. Have, I have grayer hair. Uh <laughs> Sorry, that was gross. But, um, you know, just change, 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 even on like, and one, one thing I wanted to mention is like change, even though like we always sort of, or society seems to say that like, and I say sometimes we gotta, we gotta be okay with change. We gotta, sure. you know, change is good. Change is positive. Change, change, change. But we also have to recognize that it's hard. Yeah. It's difficult. And uh, even like the small stuff, like, and all of that's valid. So um, that was one of the takeaways uh, with my conversation with, with, uh, with Ben is the sort of the impermanence part of grief. Yeah. I, I love that too. I, I love when he used the word impermanence because you're right. I think that is all of our existential existence you know that that you know it, as you mentioned being on this big blue rolling pebble that we're all pale uh, blue dot pale blue dot wow i chopped That's that a carl sagan bad. is it yeah all right well give credit for credits to you <laughs> how'd you describe it yeah what did i say this blue rolling, blue rolling pebble. pebble it works too does that work too it works too all right those are well, all synonyms you're of, right yeah okay i like it so you know i i picked up i i, <laughs> I slaughtered carl sagan sorry benjamin i, I know you love Carl Sagan. I apologize for He'd that. He'd be okay with Would that. Would he be? Oh, okay, cool. The ethos was there. The ethos, the meaning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I had the best of intentions. Yeah. But no, I love that. And um, I I love Rush. I love Neil Peart, uh, the writer for Rush and uh, the band, for those of you who may not know who Rush are. But uh, in one of the songs, Neil references a line or a lyric. He, he writes that um, changes aren't permanent, but changes. And to me, that really kind of summed up what Benjamin was talking about and just this idea that life is change. I mean, that that's part of our human condition. You know, that's, that's part of the, the membership fee of being a human being. And uh, But coming back to empathy, this, this podcast's main topic to some degree is this idea that, um, you know, to empathize with each other about how, you know, how difficult that struggle can be. And whether it's a small change, you know, whether it's graduating high school and going into college, whether it's moving out of your parents' home for the first time, whether it's a divorce situation, whether it's a loss of a parent through an ideology or a difference in belief, whether it's the loss of a child, a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, 
you know, these are all the type of changes that most of us would prefer not to have. Yeah. I mean, you know, change is hard. Change is difficult. And, and, and as, you know, and as much of, as much of the fact that it's a absolute 100% part of our existence, you know, it's, it's a very difficult process generally. So how do you prepare or talk to your patients about grief and, and then sort of the follow-up to that is how do you, do you have conversations about change? Like are those, and how do you, how do we cope with change or cope with grief? Those are, those like five questions. Sure. <laughs> Answer them all Just in order. <laughs> give me a two minute, <laughs> please follow that up with, with two minutes of, of information. <laughs> No, you're right. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot there, but those are great questions because, uh, you know, I, th- I think when somebody comes into to a clinical office and generally they're in a high level of distress, maybe because something like this just happened, maybe there's a change that's occurred and they're really, really struggling to to deal with what's happened, what's occurred in their life. It, uh, you know, one is I, I can meet them where they're at emotionally. I mean, I, I can validate their feelings. I can normalize the, the experience that they're going through. But also to talk about what Benjamin was talking about, I don't have to so over-empathize with them that we're both crumbling on the couch. You know, that's that's not the point. The point is for me to be able to validate their experience, hear them, and know that they're understood by me through my, you know, through the empathic attunement and the empathy, and yet at the same time, give them a sense of hope. And give them a sense of of uh, lack of a better term, normalcy, meaning that that a lot of people come in. Maybe this is the first time they've ever experienced like this. Maybe it's the the most difficult thing they've ever experienced. But being able to instill a sense of hope by by letting them know that there are ways through what they're going through, and letting them know that there are you know tools and there are interventions and there are resources. I mean, basically, say there is hope you are going to get through what you're going through. And and most people, if they've come into a clinical office because they're struggling to get through something like this, feel hopeless. Yeah. And so being able to let them know that there is a way through this and that they're going to be okay. And, and once we've done that and we're working a little bit further down the line, you know, it's really about growth. It really becomes about, you know, that loss is a part of this existence, a part of our human existence we've talked about. And a lot of times, as unwanted as it is, and as difficult as it is, you know, if handled properly and worked through, it really can become part of our growth. And we will eventually learn how to integrate the loss, no matter, you know, how dramatic and, and traumatic. And, um, and again, you know, a lot of times we would not ever want these things to happen, but we, we can't stop them. And that's the point. But we can grow from them and we can integrate the loss over time. As a, as a therapist, how do you – because – Going back to my conversation with Ben, I I was explaining that I struggle sometimes with sort of probably being overly empathetic, right? Um, he used the word rational compassion, right? which uh, is a term he got from Paul Bloom, which I like a lot. Yeah. Uh, but it made me think about how I can sort of overwhelm myself and overwhelm my senses and in an effort to help people. Sure. Uh, you know, the motivation's right, but I sort of overdo it and then I'm not, you know, the self-care gets thrown out the window, right? Right. How do you, how do you, as a therapist, like draw the line? I mean, as a therapist and then as just a human, like how do you get to the point where you're providing the right kind of empathy and then stopping, allowing them to do the rest? How do you do that? 
it's something that's just learned over many years in the beginning of, of being a therapist. It was extremely difficult to know that boundary. And I, I think I put myself into not early burnout, but I mean, but, uh, oh, maybe overly compassionate yeah. to some degree and not knowing how to develop that muscle, so to speak. And over years and years and years of working with people, I've learned to develop that. So, you know, very much a learned thing. And I encourage most people to do this, you know, this, the same thing because, you know, to Benjamin's point, I can't be a help to anybody else if I'm not in a good place. I mean, it's just, it's not going to work. So my, my level of self-care is going to be, you know, exceptionally important for the type of care that I'm providing others. And that's a huge point that I think we all need to think about in our relationships and the work that we do is we've got to be in a good place. I mean, you know, first and foremost, what's that, you know, old adage or not old adage, but the, um, oh gosh, what's, well, I'll tell you what it is and you can tell me what the word would be. <laughs> But I love this because it's so ap applicable to this process. You know, they always tell you when you're on an airplane, if, you know, everything depressurizes, you know, the, the oxygen oh, yeah. mask is going to drop out. And for the parents, you know, have the parent put on your oxygen mask first yeah. and then put it on your child because your first response is going to be to want to protect your child. It's just automatically put it on sure. your child. And, but if you pass out, yeah. then you're gone you're and useless. your child's gone and yeah. you're useless. So you nothing have to care works. for yourself first. And if you're not taking care of yourself, then... You have, goods, you have nothing. You have to nothing give. to give. Exactly. To give, yeah. And in that life or death situation, you know that that really punctuates that point that you know you've got to put your oxygen mask on first if you're going to be good for anybody else. And I am really you know learning that myself. I'm really integrating those self care principles and learning to you know eat well, sleep well, properly exercise, set boundaries when necessary, and to make sure that I am compassionately caring for people in the right way because I'm in a good place and I have something to give. Yeah, I like it. I dig it. You dig it? I dig. All right. So what are some, you know, obviously emphasizing hope, what are some like takeaways for the listeners? Like maybe someone who is experiencing some grief right now, what are, what are some ways uh, for them to cope with that grief? Well, the first thing that I keep wanting to come back to and when I think about what I would say would be uncomplicated grief or loss is really to be compassionate and understanding with yourself, meaning you're going to go through a flood of emotions and, and a myriad of emotions and you can have anger and you can have sadness and you can have um, low mood, you know, low affect, we call it. And, you know, and just maybe very unmotivated some days. And and then maybe even later that same day, you may find yourself being happy for a little while. And then you may stop and feel guilty for being happy. Or you may want to judge yourself for having a particular emotion. And, and one of the things that I always want to instill in people is really try not to judge whatever it is you're going through emotionally, you know, try not to judge your feelings. I really believe, you know, the feelings within themselves are not wrong, but they're great messengers. And if we listen to our feelings, we'll get wonderful information about what's going on inside of ourselves and what is it that we may need to do at that moment. If I'm feeling exceptionally down, then it's probably a wonderful time for me to get on the mountain bike or go out for a run or, you know, go to the gym, do something physical, which usually really, really, really helps me. And so I really want people to listen to their feelings. I don't, and again, don't judge, you know, don't judge whatever feeling is coming up for you. Uh, don't judge happiness. If, if in some point in your day, you, you know, a lot of people have talked about, they feel guilty. Uh, for instance, if they're working through a bereavement mm. and at some point during the day, they feel happy, you know, that there's a tremendous amount of guilt about that. 
And no, I mean, you know, the, you know happiness is, is a part of our existence and it's good to be happy for a few moments. That's not disrespectful, you know, to the person whom you've lost. I mean, and, if you killed the person well, if you and you're happy, then that's the, another the, thing. The, we may need a psyche valve yeah, and, but, uh, uh, and a different form of intervention. But yeah. but yeah, exactly. But normal grief, you know, it's 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 not uncommon. And so, yeah, I, I really, when I work with somebody clinically, I, I really don't want them judging what they're, they're feeling. And I really want them to be more compassionate and understanding and open. And I, yeah, I just say, you know, just kind of be an investigator to your own experience yeah. and listen to what's coming up for you. And the big part, though, I, I would say is beyond that, if people are really struggling, you know, if the, if the grief is prolonged, if things are getting worse over time, if you're finding that your symptoms are, are really increasing, that it's, you know, as, as the days, the weeks, and the months are, are moving on, you're really having a very, very difficult time getting out of bed, working, you know, basically, you know, self-care, brushing your teeth, and you seem to be going in the opposite direction from working through your grief and loss that, you know, that's probably the time that somebody would want to consult with a mental health professional. Uh, because, you know, at that point, it sounds like somebody might be moving into what we would call complicated grief or potentially a major depressive episode where, you know, more interventions would be required. If you're feeling, you know, suicidal, if you're having, you know, homicidal, suicidal thoughts, if you're having, you know, if you're moving into, pro, you know, substance abuse and, and substance dependence and you're moving into, you know, uh, high levels of distress, impairments in functioning, then you really want to seek out a mental health professional with, you know, soon as possible. Yeah. I mean, even on the, I would say the early stage of stages of grief, I, I, I would recommend therapy because I know therapy for me personally has helped me better understand my feelings, better like have insight into my emotions and, and the actions associated with those emotions and feelings, you know, uh, because I was so shut off from them for so long, you know, mm. it took me like, it's almost like I opened the gate and then I had to like build a new bridge, right? And the therapy helped me uh, find that bridge, you know, help me build that bridge to those emotions. And once I got to them and, uh, you know, walked along that path toward them, I was able to like, oh, okay. I was able to like almost look at them from like a 360 perspective. Like I'm I'm having a bit more insight into like why I'm feeling certain ways. Because sometimes like a lot of the time uh, it can be overwhelming and, and it's hard to even know and understand like how do we like connect with our feelings, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people come in and they talk about just this kind of big fog that they feel like they're in and they can't really, they know they don't maybe feel well, but they don't really know why, you know, even if something, you know, significant has happened around them, but but they still feel somewhat detached maybe from the experience or they don't have the words or they don't have the insight or they don't have the clarity to put maybe to words or to even to put towards an insight or an understanding about their experience and I think in those cases, yeah, therapy can be extremely helpful to help people make sense of, in a sense, what they're going through, help them get rid of the fog and get a sense of clarity or a sense of understanding. And I think, you know, we, we all come to every experience with, with a history. We come to every experience or loss with a myriad 
of human experiences. And, and I talk about templates. You know, each one of us has a relational template of how we view ourselves, how we view others, how we view ourselves in relationship. And, and I think this can become very complicated when we've had a loss and particularly a significant loss. And we may find ourselves in that fog and we may find ourselves without words and we may find ourselves without clarity or understanding. And I think, you know, a mental health, mental health professional can really help guide us in that process of understanding and, and really getting rid of the fog. And, and for some people, it's extremely helpful. You know, for others, um, it's not so complicated, you know, and, and other people seem to be able to put, put to their experience the words that they, they want to have and to, to express the meaning mm-hmm. and the emotions to which they're going through. And, and some have wonderful access to their emotions and can heal wonderfully without a therapist's help. And so I, I don't always think that, that therapy is necessitated. You know, a lot of people can go through a, a very, what we would call, and this is a horrible word, standard or normal, you know, grief process with, without any kind of inter- intervention, just with the support of family and friends. Yeah. And, and yet others will really benefit. Yeah. You know, others can really, really benefit. And I think it just depends on so many factors uh, in a person's life and, and, and where they are when something like this occurs. And so it's, you know, this is where I think it, it can become a complicated process. But again, it always comes back to if you're feeling overwhelmed and, and you don't know what to do and, and maybe there's extreme feelings of hopelessness and, and you're experiencing impairment in life's basic forms of functioning, then it's, you know, probably really important to, to get into therapy. And and to your point, Noan, if even if you just feel like it would be beneficial, you know, more where you were at, like, I just, I wanted to be able to process, I wanted to be able to talk to somebody about it, I wanted to make more sense. Um, you know, I know for you, that's been a, a wonderful, wonderful process in yeah. helping you through this. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just having, you know, you, you mentioned family and friends, like, just having people in your life who are you know, loving and compassionate and open to like listening, you know, like that's, that's a huge help. So connect with, have those people in your life, uh, not the opposite of those people. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I mean, we're social creatures and, and we really regulate one another socially, relationally. And, you know, to isolate could potentially be a very bad thing. You don't, you really don't want to isolate because, you know, then you're, you're really not getting the emotional support that you need potentially. And so it's important not to isolate yourself and, and to be in a social environment and hopefully with a lot of understanding people. And and if not, it might be helpful to maybe seek out a group experience. You know, there are a lot of different types of groups. There's, you know, grief recovery groups as well. And they're not just about bereavement. Some are, but not all are. And you might be able to find a lot of support in, in an environment like that. And, um, but, you know, I think, yeah, I think it's important to really get that social, you know, positive social experience. And, and, you know, unfortunately, I I get it. Some people may have to work really hard to identify good, healthy social support. You know, we don't all have healthy people around us, unfortunately, um, or healthy friends or healthy family. And and that's difficult. So we may have to work hard to seek that out. They have you, me empathy, but they do have you, me empathy. And that's a awesome place to start. And I'm so glad you're listening. And as known is. And, um, but there might, be, I'm not listening. Uh, you're, you're, <laughs> did you check out a few minutes ago? <laughs> I checked out. All right. Good. Um, so, but if you need, yeah, you know, but if, you know, good chance, although this is a wonderful podcast, you may need more than yeah. you, me empathy. Well, then, also you know, I'm creating the you, me empathy Facebook group. This is true. So that will be a place for, um, I'm not saying you, me empathy is the cure all for everything. I'm not saying that I'm not a mental health professional. 
Uh, Tony is saying that. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but if you guys do want to go check that out, I haven't created it yet as of we're recording this, but it will be up by the time this episode is out. Uh, it'll be a place, just a an extension of this podcast for people who want to talk uh, further about stuff and connect. And who knows, maybe even Tony will pop up uh, in there from time to time. Uh, who knows? We haven't figured that out yet, but... Um, I think that's a good sort of breakdown of grief from uh, Tony Times' perspective. Well, thank you. I hope so. It was certainly enjoyable. And, you know, and I, maybe one other thought takeaway sure. I was just thinking about this um, was, and it maybe goes back to that idea of, of not judging our grief and in, in our experience of what we're going through. I had uh, a, f- a friend, actually, and I, I love this story because it's so well illustrative of loss and grief. And this friend came to me you know, knowing obviously what I do and just wanted to talk to me about this kind of non-professionally, but just, you know, but also just as a friend and said, you know, I'm just so struggling because, you know, I recently went through two losses and I'm feeling horribly guilty. And and I'm like, well, you know, what happened? You know, what's going on? And this person described that she had lost her father and she had also lost her dog kind of within, you know, like a month's time of each other. Oh, wow. And, and, you know, and, I said, you know, my gosh, I'm so sorry, you know, and she, you know, thank you, very sweet. And, but she said, but I'm dealing with a tremendous amount of guilt. And I said, you know, and I said, of course, you know, well, maybe you need to go in and see somebody to, to really talk about that with. And she says, well, I, you know, I don't know, you know, because what I'm feeling guilty about is I lost my dad, but I really don't feel anything regarding that loss. But I lost my dog. And I feel horrible. I, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm just emotional and every day I walk in the house, I just sense that emptiness and that sadness and, and I feel so guilty and, and I just, you know, said like, well, what did you lose when your dad passed away? And, you know, she shared, well, I didn't, didn't lose really much of anything. We didn't have much of a relationship, really hadn't my whole life. And the times we did, it really wasn't good. And I said, okay, so I don't know, how, you know, how'd you feel when you lost your dog? Oh my gosh, you know, when I lost my dog, I mean, I, my best friend, I lost, you know, uh. this wonderful, you know, love and acceptance. And I was so excited to come home every day and be greeted by this just loving, fun dog. And I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, I, I said already, I, I hear how much you've lost by your dog passing. And I didn't, not hearing a whole lot about what you lost when your dad died. And, you know, you kind of see the light bulb go off inside of her head, like, oh, yeah. You know, so it's it's idea, it's really this idea of what are you losing? You know, what's, yeah. what have you lost? And I know you and Benjamin kind of referenced that when you were talking about it. It's, it's what's gone, right? What do, you, yeah. what do you no longer have that you valued? And, and I know Benjamin was talking about that with his dad, you know, that, that there was a tremendous loss there when he lost his dad because of who his dad was to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was, you know, obviously somebody that he really, really meant a lot to, to Benjamin. And um, so, you know, so... I think sometimes evaluating our losses um, in terms of what they meant to us is is important versus what we think we should be feeling. Yeah, you yeah. Know, kind of thing, so. No, I like that a lot. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you to Tony, my friend Tony, uh, for the first iteration of Tony Time. First iteration <laughs> of Tony Time in the books. <laughs> Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, again, this will be, uh, Tony and I will do Tony time. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> we have, have to come up with something else. <laughs> we have our private Tony time, and then we have this public facing Tony time. I'm just kidding. We will have uh, the Tony time episodes in between uh, our my guest interview episodes. So look out for those. And thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to follow Yumi Empathy on Twitter and Instagram at Yumi Empathy. And uh, if you want to check out my story, The Day I Stopped Eating, um, that is on my website at knownwells.com. I am in the process of creating a Yumi Empathy website, so that may be out by the time you listen to this. Who knows? Things could change. The world could blow up. You never know. Uh, Again, I'm creating a Facebook group, so um, check that out. I'll have links uh, for that uh, in the show notes for this episode. And if you want to be a guest or con- contribute in some way to the show, reach me at youmeempathy at gmail.com and uh, leave me some ratings and reviews. Uh, five stars is my favorite number. I don't like four, three, two, one, or zero. So only do five. Just be honest. Just be honest. If you go four, that's fine. Just, you know, make sure you give some good reasons. <laughs> um, well, thank- you hear the pain in his voice. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so desperate. Uh, anyways, thanks thanks for listening. And um, to close it out, thanks again for listening. And as always, I'm here. You're here. We're here together on this wayward, overwhelming, awe-inspiring, rolling blue, blue pebble. pebble. Uh, we have each other. It's you, me, empathy. Empathy.